Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the book of Acts is about the work of the ascended Lord from heaven through his spirit in spreading the gospel or building the church. And so we have the statement, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And the book of Acts shows how that call of Christ is fulfilled. And what we see as it is fulfilled is we see the Lord's use of his servants, filling them with boldness, making the way known for them, how they should act, what they should do. That whether it's Peter perceiving the significance of the day of of Pentecost or the open door that was set before him to go to Cornelius' house and, and declare to the Gentiles that the Holy Spirit would work among them as well and that God is no respecter of persons or whether it's Paul showing him where to go and even in our chapter to have a door set before him to enter into Macedonia and to ultimately find his way to the city of Philippi. So it's God's providence working and directing his servants where he would have them to be. But it's also, in a a great sense, God going before them and having a a people prepared. A people there, ready. And so, with Paul and Silas and their call to Philippi, they would meet certain people there. One of whom was Lydia, And another was the Philippian jailer. And God gives a willingness to receive them and to give heed to their ministry. And this morning I'd like to direct our attention to Lydia from Acts 16 and especially verses 14 and 15, but also looking back to 13, especially the description of what the Lord did to her, whose heart the Lord opened. And the encouragement for us today is that the Lord still opens hearts. The Lord still overcomes natural resistance in order to cause people to give heed, to pay attention. 
to what he would have them to do. And sometimes it seems like with all that we face, all that's going on around us, we can be absorbed in in geopolitical matters in Europe between Russia and Ukraine, and we can be concerned about things locally and things in our own country. And we can lose sight of the fact that God still opens people's hearts to the gospel. God is still at work in the cities of our country, bringing people to maybe shrug their shoulders at all that's happening and acknowledge their concerns and anxieties and to think, what is this life all about? Where can I find peace and comfort in this world? God is still opening people's hearts. The God of Lydia, the God of Paul and Silas, the God of the Philippian jailer who did a wonder in bringing him to salvation is the God who makes known his gospel to us. He still opens the hearts of children. What is Christianity? What is the Bible all about? May I know that. May I be convicted of its truthfulness. And may I most of all believe on the one it speaks of. God opens hearts of teenagers and young adults so swamped with connections of different sorts and friendships and fun. So many worthy things and so many things that can be distractions. And as parents or as teenagers and young adults yourselves, you wonder, what is the hope? Through all of this overstimulation, God opens hearts. That's our prayer. That's what we can plead. For middle-aged people with demanding work, growing children perhaps, and plans for the future. It is our heart that needs to remain open. It is our heart that needs to remain engaged that brings ultimate usefulness for older ones who maybe have been saved for many years and have been on the Christian pilgrimage. Even as eternity draws near, humanly speaking, oh, that hearts could be opened in an ongoing way when the body might shut down. God opens hearts. And let this encourage you. But also let this mobilize you 
that it would be your longing also to see him work an open heart in and around you. So we're looking at Lydia, Acts 16, 14, and 15. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. We're looking at the theme, Lydia's domain. Lydia's domains, the influence she had in this situation that's given to us. With three points, the Lord's domain, his rule, his work over her heart, Lydia's love for the Lord, and Lydia's love for for others. So Lydia's domains. Firstly, the Lord's domain over the heart. Secondly, Lydia's love for the Lord. And thirdly, Lydia's love for others. Lydia was highly influential. She had a group of women that she went to the riverside with to pray. She had a business of selling purple dye, and many say that she was probably very well off. And she had a place, a home where she could, that she could open up for hospitality to welcome people in. But we must not, first of all, begin with what she had control over or how she was useful. But first of all, we must focus on that which the Lord controlled. And that is that he opened her heart. And this gives very wonderful direction to how she will use and how she will conduct herself in her other callings. Maybe in her in her business, certainly in her going to that riverside where prayer took place, and in her use of her home to welcome in Paul and Silas. The Lord had taken control of her heart. The Lord had converted her, had made her a new person. And what a Glorious change that is. The question must be brought personally to you and me this morning. Who has control over your heart? Over my heart? Maybe in all honesty you have to say popularity being seen to to be one that has a group of people always around them is what's controlling me to fit in. Or maybe it's the heart is controlled by the pursuit of success to get a 
name for oneself of accomplishment and standing. Or maybe even there is a desire for renown even in the church. Maybe through busyness and through much service. But not having attended to the word of the Lord, you can try to have a reputation in the church of being a doer. whose heart the Lord opened. That these things that can control our hearts and that can consume our efforts and direct our energies, that they would be given up. Whose heart the Lord opened. Now we must first of all, say under this point that naturally our hearts are closed. Naturally our hearts are closed to the things of God. We know that the heart of man is is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so we must acknowledge that none of us by nature will have any desire to seek the Lord and to follow the Lord and to believe on the Lord. This is what we see even in the book of Acts. We see that there are occasions in the book of Acts where hearts are not right. Acts 1 verse 24, Peter says, Thou Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men. But that's at the time of appointing a new apostle because Judas had committed suicide. He had an appearance being numbered among the, the disciples, being perhaps in charge of the finances, but he had his heart hard to the Lord. Or in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, we, speak, we read of the Holy Spirit pricking their hearts. The word of Peter, blessed by the Spirit, was brought home to them that the sin of, of, against Christ was their sin. In Acts 5, verse 3, Peter speaks to Ananias, Satan has filled your heart. Your heart is, is hard. Your heart is under the domain of Satan. Satan. In Acts 7, verse 51, Stephen preaches and he refers to his hearers, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart. You stiff-necked, you stubborn 
and defiled in heart, uncircumcised, impure. In Acts 8, verse 21, Simon, who would purchase the gift of the Holy Spirit or would try to, it is said of him, thy heart is not right in the sight of God. So recurring throughout the book of Acts is the human condition of having hearts opposed to and against Christ and against the purpose of God. The heart by nature is closed. Perhaps two pictures can show the condition of our heart. Two examples. The first is in the Toronto area after the big snowfall in January of this year where 40 centimeters, 50 centimeters in some places fell. They, they took all the snow and they had excavators. When the dump trucks dumped the snow, they, they excavated it from one level to another to a level, making it a mountain of snow in this storage area, this big field. And it was high, and it was wide, and over the course of the winter, it solidified, it hardened. And even very recently when I drove by there, in spite of some 25 degree days, we see this mountain of continued frozen snow. That's a picture of our heart. Closed, hard. Yes, that will eventually melt. But the cold, hard heart never naturally melts towards God. Our hearts are closed. The temperature is sub-zero. And the other illustration is visits in the hospital that are some of the most difficult visits I find are visits to the mental health units. Where you come to the unit and you have to buzz to gain entry because there's a locked door. And then you enter in and you talk to the nurse for, to say who you're there to visit and they have to buzz you in to the next section. And there in the next section, all the tables are anchored down to the floor and the chairs are, are there and then you have to be buzzed into a room. One layer of protection after another layer of protection after another layer of protection. All to keep people safe. To keep people contained. And I think to myself, that's a picture of us naturally having one barrier after another barrier after another barrier. The Lord must open, must break through the barriers and open the heart. So that's our natural condition is the closed heart. Because of sin. Have you come to see this? 
You are worse than that pile of ice. You are cold towards the Son of Righteousness. That you are more imprisoned by sin than those that are in the mental health units or in the most secure jail. But we must say that the Lord is sovereign over the heart whose heart the Lord opened, that these obstacles and the natural hardness is no match for the Lord. God opened her heart by the Holy Spirit. When the gospel comes to a person, we can't perceive its glory and we do not want to believe its message, our heart is locked. But when a person has spiritual life given, when a person has the Holy Spirit make them new, their heart is completely changed. And this is something only God can do. Whose heart the Lord opened. How does the Lord open hearts? Well, he opens hearts through his word and by his spirit. Using that word. If I could say three things about this work of grace whereby the Lord puts his throne in the heart and opens that heart up to great service of his name. It would be first of all that the message, the message of Christ comes to the person. They know something. They hear something. Salvation requires that the call of the gospel be made known. This is the outward call. We don't know exactly when this happened for Lydia. If it happened before, if it happens in this time, but she had heard of the God of Israel. She had heard of the God who, who Paul preached. We read that she attended unto the things which were spoken of by Paul. She heard of Christ. And Christ is brought. Hearts are opened. Not in their own power, but as the Spirit opens them, as the Spirit works alongside of the preaching of the gospel. So there is the proclamation of the message. But then there is the dependence on God. There is dependence on God. You hear? 
What must I do to be saved in the words of the Philippian jailer? You hear, believe, and repent. And yet you see, by nature, you can't. You won't. You don't want to. So you are brought to pray. Lord, work this in me. Lord, lead me in this way. Lord, knock down my walls. Soften my icy cold heart. Spirit of humility, the spirit of dependence comes as one one's heart is opened. And lastly, when one's heart is opened, they see that Christ is altogether lovely and willing to save. Where there are obstacles, where there are impediments, where there is coldness, looking unto Christ changes things. He is willing. He delights to save sinners. He is Lord in heaven. So the heart was closed. But that heart is opened. So what do you need this morning? Worked by the sovereign Lord in your heart if it's still closed. Maybe you need the message that there is hope. There's hope for somebody like you. The Lord opens hearts today. Maybe you need instruction that it's the sovereignty of God, but it's also your responsibility to seek so that you would find. Maybe you need the declaration of Christ's loveliness. He is worthy. He is worthy to control your heart and direct it, first of all, in love for himself. She loved the Lord, having had her heart opened. We read that she worshipped God. This is an act of love for the Lord. And this is why we have, have Sunday worship. You enjoy being with people you love. You can't get enough of it. If you have a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, if you're courting somebody, you, you love to be with them. You find every reason to, to be together. Even if it's passing quickly. So the heart that is open loves God and delights to worship God. Is that why you're here this morning? Because your heart loves the Lord, you realize that's the reason for your life to glorify God. What a high, high calling that out of hearts 
The center of your being has been directed to this purpose. Let me worship God with my life. Parents, your children can tell very quickly what you worship, who you worship. We must confess so often we are inconsistent. We know that we should worship God. But too often we are consumed with the things that we enjoy. Lydia's love for the Lord was shown in that she worshiped God. But then her love for the Lord was shown in that she attended to those things which were spoken of Paul. She had an appetite for the word of God. That that which was once perhaps unclear, mysterious, was had a magnetic attraction for her. She attended. She gave her energy and her focus because she knew it was for her good. She loved the Lord. She loved the word of the Lord. Then the third thing is that she would show her commitment to the Lord. She was baptized and her household. Now we won't get into covenantal baptism, the fact that her household is included and we don't know about her husband. But we do know that she took the obligation of the Lord's lordship over her. Seriously. And showed it in her baptism. She wasn't in control. She wasn't the one who could think of her business, who could think of her success. But she would bring all that she is into the Lord's service. She would be baptized into communion and fellowship with the Lord, she would suffer. Maybe that's why they were by the, by the riverside. Place wasn't made in the city of Philippi for this believing group of people who prayed. They had to go outside. Maybe it was at the synagogue that not enough men were in position of leadership to establish a church or to so they went out by the riverside regardless she was desirous to hear the word she was desirous to show by her life who she belonged to And lastly, she was desirous to be found faithful. If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord. What an ongoing evidence. Not just the opening of her heart the first time, but the ongoing demonstration through one's life 
of service if you have judged me to be faithful. Faithfulness. That would be the mark of one who would be chosen to replace Judas. That would be the mark of the men who would be called as deacons. This woman wanted to be found faithful. She loved the Lord. So if you profess the Lord has opened your heart, how are you showing in your life your love for the Lord? It will show. It will be unmissable. Is it attending worship excitedly? Is it attending to the word of God? Perhaps when your time is short, but you know its importance, you know that you need to. So you carve out extra time to give your attention to the word of the Lord. Is it in consecration? of you and your household, that we will serve the Lord? Is it in desiring to be found faithful? But lastly, we have Lydia's love for others. Lydia's love for others. She worshiped God. She heard us. She received, she imbibed the ministry of Paul and Silas. Perhaps Luke, the author here, was, was there too. What does she do? Come into my house and abide there. She would extend her hospitality. She would show in her welcoming and her reception of the servants of the Lord that they are valuable that she will support them. And that even perhaps from her house, there could be the base for spreading the gospel throughout Philippi. Come into my house. Come in. And here we see a great area where growth is, is needed often in the Reformed churches and, and in places, the need for hospitality. How has God given you a car to use it for Him? How has God given you a, an ability to Work on computers to serve his kingdom. How has God given you a heart for people to connect with them, whoever they are, however they look? Giving you neighbors to be friendly towards. We use these things for ourselves and we truly are blessed 
with them. But how often do we use what we have for others? Ultimately, that the kingdom of Christ could be advanced. Lydia's domain, she, first of all, had the Lord occupy first place, opening her heart. What a glorious life that is that flows from the opened heart. Secondly, she showed that love in her worship, in her attendance upon the word, in her consecration and in her faithfulness. Take my life, let it be. Consecrated Lord, holy to thee. And lastly, in her love for others. Not a busybody life, but a life of careful involvement and investment for the good of the kingdom. There's a hymn written by Wesley called Long My Imprisoned Spirit Lay. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin in nature's night. Thine eye diffused the quickening ray. I woke the dungeon, flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amen. Let's sing from 360, 360. We sing all the verses.